eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello again, Pats Nation, and welcome to the latest and always greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, a presentation of WEEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. On today's show, we get you ready for a return of the rivalry. I got to put my NFL Films voice on to try to get myself pumped up for this game because I hate to say it, but I feel like we've got uh, a wrestling match between a couple of teams that have just lost their way. We got, I mean, this, this is a, this is an alley fight between a couple of, <laughs> between a couple of people with broken legs. Uh, you're four and four new England Patriots coming off of a win. That was more the other team losing against the jets face off against a Colts team that just replaced their rent a QB and Mac Ryan, who we broke years ago with Sam Ellinger, six round pick second year quarterback out of Texas. Oh, and they just fired their offensive coordinator as well. And they're as, if not more, banged up than you or the average NFL team. Long gone are the days of early November, Brady versus Manning, smashing the Nielsen record ratings and the energy and enthusiasm that you used to just long for and plug into. Now it's, hey, one of these teams might hopefully find their identity this season, and the other one could probably go through significant roster and coaching changes. Let's hope it's the Colts as opposed to the Patriots. So to help us get ready for the Colts side of the ball and to uh, peek behind enemy lines, enemy lines that uh, didn't like whenever we used to peek into them or deflate them, if you will, years ago, uh, we talk now with the host of the Locked On Colts podcast, Jake Arthur, who joins us from Indianapolis to tell us about the stampeding state of affairs behind Colts Blue and the Horseshoe. Take a listen. To get us geared, prepped, and ready to rock for Colts Patriots Week, the greatest rivalry that has definitely fallen on harder times. <laughs> we welcome in from the Locked On Colts podcast, the one and only Jake Arthur. You can follow him at Jake Arthur NFL, and of course, he is the host of at Locked On Colts. Jake, to think that 15 years ago we used to look forward to. Brady Manning, the greatest mano a mano rivalry, I would say, not mm -hmm. just in the NFL, but for so long in all of sports. And then flash forward to the vitriol and enmity of Deflate Gate. And then even sprinkle in a little bit of Chris Ballard's famous, the rivalry is back on with Josh mm -hmm. McDaniels pulling out at the last minute from coaching the Indianapolis Colts. Side note, you guys may have uh, dodged a bullet on that one. Looks like it. <laughs> to now. Ellinger versus Jones, two franchises wondering who their future quarterback will be, two franchises looking for a spark, a direction. It's just crazy to think this is the state of Colts and Patriots in 2022. Yeah, it really is. I mean, the 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 definite end of a couple of, of eras. Brady obviously moving on to, uh, to Tampa. And on this side of it, we hoped Andrew Luck would just kind of take the torch and, and move along with it. But even when he was here and healthy, he didn't have the success against the Patriots that we hoped for. Uh, but yeah, it's it's different. Uh, Mac Jones maybe can still be the guy for you guys, lead you to some, some long-term success. Uh, jury's still very much out on Snellinger after, after one start. 
I can't believe you guys aren't excited about four and four versus three, four and one. I mean, isn't that uh, that's very similar to when Manning and Brady used to meet in November and both were undefeated or both had like one loss. (laughs) Um, So big picture question before we start to dive into the game, like with Ellinger, you know, being whatever he's going to be for the next year or whatever, this tryout, wherever this goes, is there is there pressure on Frank Reich and and Ballard to you know figure this quarterback situation out? Are they on a, a warm seat, a hot seat? Do they have the total you know control of the organization moving forward? What is their status? Uh, I think it would be crazy to think that they're not on the hot seat. Um, Jim Irsay has kind of given his stamp of approval for what we assume just means this season. Uh, there was a report that came out over the weekend last weekend. Uh, Chris Mortensen and I think uh, Ian Rappaport basically saying uh, Frank Reich is safe and you know Frank and Chris are kind of tied at the hip a little bit Uh, they share they share the amount of blame that's going on right now really Uh, but to me I don't think that means that the offseason makes them safe like I think they they just don't want to make any big changes during the season They've, they've already made some obviously the quarterback change and they just fired their offensive coordinator on on uh, Tuesday, but yeah, I uh, I think the pressure is on to to perform. The quarterback situation has to get figured out uh, because that that's kind of one area that Ursay has been seething about. Is that it's almost comical what's happening at quarterback? Like you're you're renting other teams' old quarterbacks at this point for a year or two. It worked with Philip Rivers for the year, but he unfortunately retired. I think they wanted him for at least another year. Uh, they hoped Matt Ryan would be here two, maybe three years, but obviously his performance was not up to the level to invest in that. Now, it's not all his fault. I think if the Colts' offensive line would have been good enough, that he would have played well enough also. Um, but yeah, he's not the type of guy that's going to be able to constantly escape pressure. So bringing in someone like Ellinger who can move his feet, that definitely helps but um they would it it would be beneficial for them to luck into ellinger being the guy but i don't know i think he's going to be all right and look like a a pretty decent backup like a chase daniel type someone who can stick around for a while but my initial impression is that he probably won't be the long-term guy in a lot of ways it kind of i kind of can't help but wonder if Let's say Bailey Zappi is the New England Patriots' Sam Ellinger right now, and uh-huh. we got a taste of that for a couple of games out of necessity because Mac Jones and then subsequently Brian Hoyer were injured. So in comes Zappi. He actually injects some life into the team and the season and the fan base for a while, and thus a debate was born because Mac has had a difficult time staying on the field at for, uh, staying on the field as well as uh, keeping the ball out of the hands of the opponent. So now there's a little bit of a what have we been calling it, Andy? Like an opinion war, if you will, back here on Mac yeah. Jones. Should it be Mac or Zappy? And if it's Mac, is he regressing due to the coaching staff and the weaponry around him? Or is he just not gelling to this altered Patriots scheme? Um, I'm curious what uh, what people outside of the AFC East, but still in the AFC and a rival like that in the Indianapolis Colts, think of Mac Jones, Bailey Zappy, and what the Patriots have been going through this year. Yeah, it's, it's really curious because I I think they're probably similar situations to the Colts. You know, like how much of the, of the issues is caused by the turmoil at, you know, things like the coaching staff and instability there. Because I, I thought I read a report about, you know, Mac being like, what's, what's up with the offensive coaching staff? Basically something, I guess, said in confidence probably. But, you know, you've got mm-hmm. some defensive and special teams guys coaching him up right now. So... It's it's very curious. I definitely think that they're not viewed as the same old Patriots. Like Bill Belichick is still very much a defensive genius, but I don't think he still has the like the pass on everything where everything's just going to be all right. Like I think New England feels more vulnerable uh, to opponents now than ever because like the Colts just beat them last year. Now personally, I don't think the Colts have as good of a chance now as they did last year against New England. I'm not as confident. Um, but I definitely don't think they're viewed as like the same old Patriots that are going to punch you in the mouth every single week. B 
beyond the quarterback position, which obviously we know is the most important position in football, and almost regardless of what else you have, you lead to winning and losing depending on that position. But you look at the Colts roster, there's a lot of talent, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. Taylor is a great running back. Quentin Nelson, one of the best offensive linemen, young talent. I think Leonard is coming back, and, and you look at Buckner. Bill Belichick put Buckner in the same sentence as Aaron Donald yesterday. So he clearly – it was Wednesday, so he fluffs people up. Right. I don't know if he totally believes that, but – he does. Um, he clearly was sort of raving, and it was interesting. He spent his whole time talking about the Colts, talking about the talent more than talking about the production or the execution or what they've actually done this year. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say that just in general they're not playing up to their their roster, their talent, that the 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 execution, the three, four, and one, even regardless of quarterback, like they're not living up to their paychecks? Yeah, it's kind of a little bit of everything. Uh, you're you're kind of starting to realize how important it is for the guy next to you to be performing at a high level so that each of these key players can kind of, you know, th- their full potential can bloom. Like Quentin Nelson, for example, when he had Anthony Costanzo on his left side, a very a high-quality left tackle, that's when he was at the top of his game. And now that you have this revolving door of left tackles that are – the the play overall has been terrible for the last couple of years. He does not look like himself. I don't know if he has to overcompensate for the things that are going on around him. Um, but DeForest Buckner, um, he's, he's started to come along as well. He had a slow start to the season, but he looks excellent. Grover Stewart does as well. I think that they help each other for sure. It'd be nice for the, the edge rushers to be performing at a higher level to help them out. Quiddy pay has been banged up for the last few weeks though. So he hasn't been out there, but in general, you know, I think part of it's coaching and the players and they just haven't meshed yet. Like Kenny Moore is a good example. Uh, there would be very little argument that he was a top one or two slot defender in the league coming into coming into late last season. But this year and the last couple of games of last season, he just has not looked like himself. And kind of the vibe you get from talking to him and and just the the new scheme under Gus Bradley maybe he's not a terrific fit in it like the Colts used to run a lot of zone and they told their players to rely on your instincts and athleticism and just like go make plays and a lot of guys thrived in that environment uh, Shaquille Leonard Kenny Moore were two great examples uh, but now when there's more I guess thinking involved in this system and there's more uh, necessities and things you're supposed to accomplish on each play guys probably just aren't playing as free and they're thinking a little harder. So lots of coaching turnover uh, coming into this year. Part of that is because guys are getting poached for promotions on other roster or on other teams and everything. But yeah, I think it's taken a while for players to settle in with their new coaches as well. Uh, I just don't, maybe it's a comfort level thing. I'm not sure. Geez, the more we talk about the state of the Colts, the flux and transition you guys are in, the more this is starting to seem like a real funhouse mirror game where uh, each team like is resembles each other, I think, a little bit more than Colts fans would like to hear and or Patriots fans would mm-hmm. like to hear as well. But I, I think we're finding out health on the defensive line mixed in with offensive line instability and quarterback uncertainty is not exactly a recipe for success in an AFC that uh, it's big old, uh, big old L stew right there, Andy. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But that, I mean, like we're, I can't believe these are like, these were pillars of the first two decades in the AFC. And now we find like combined, it's not even a winning record between the two, which is, which is just shocking. Um, I'd be curious to hear uh, a little two-parter here, Jake. Um, what did it? What is it you believe from the outside the Patriots do best and you think that the Colts are preparing for? And uh, aside from Jonathan Taylor, either side of the ball, what is it right now, halfway through this very janky 2022 season, that the Colts do best? Uh, so as for the Patriots, something I, I always think they'll be able to accomplish when you play them is – uh, Bill Belichick being able to take away whatever it is your you, that your team does best. And so for the Colts, normally that would have been running the ball. Um, last year, Jonathan Taylor had plenty of success, over 200 yards. But, you know, I think Bill knows in areas they won't be able to stop. So that results in guys like Michael Pittman getting bracketed and taken out of the game plan. And 
With the Colts not being able to run the ball very well this year, I would say those big outside receivers is what the offense does best. Michael Pittman doing damage. He's had a couple huge games this year. Alec Pierce is really coming on. Uh, so I would expect them to try and take Michael Pittman Jr. away because I don't even know if Taylor's playing this week. Uh, he he re-aggravated that ankle that's been bothering him for most of the year. And so it could be a total makeshift uh, running back room because, of course, Naheem Hines was traded this week. So it could be Deion Jackson. And then on the practice squad, they've got Philip Lindsay, and they just brought Jordan Wilkins back, and they have Devontae Price. So a bunch of guys you've probably not heard of running the ball for the Colts if Taylor can't go. Uh, Belichick probably respects the talent but knows that they can handle it. Uh, so taking that away and and doing a little extra in coverage against Michael Pittman Jr. is what I would expect the Patriots to do. As for the Colts, uh, where I think their game plan should be against uh, New England this week and what I think they could do best is it seems like uh, these quarterbacks that can move their feet and, and get out and run, that's, that's worked against the, the Patriots. Now, Sam Ellinger is not Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, but... You know, at Texas, for example, he ran a lot. And so we don't really know what the offense is going to totally resemble since they fired their offensive coordinator this week. Reich, Reich is still the play caller, but, you know, I'm sure Brady had some sort of influence over, over the system. Uh, so to me, I think I would institute a run-heavy attack in this game. You know, kind of take what the defense gives you in terms of the passing game, maybe some quick stuff to the tight ends over the middle of the field. Tight ends have been able to have some success against New England's defense also. But I just, I'd try and, and run it a bunch and see if it works. If not, I, hopefully Pittman and, and Alec Pierce are getting open. But I, I would try and punch them in the mouth on the ground and have Ellinger run it quite a bit as well. And certainly the Patriots' run defense has been susceptible at times this year, certainly susceptible to quarterback runs, design runs. Mm -hmm. Justin Fields had a Fields day, if you like there the pun. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. I love that was it. A good one. Come on, give me a little I like credit. that a lot. Um, what is the – I'm intrigued because I bring up the Bears game. So heading into the Bears game, the Patriots were one win better than the Bears, and yet the perception around New England was, oh, we're going to smoke the Bears. They stink. This is a feel-good mm -hmm. And it was the opposite. It was a feel-good game for the Bears. They whooped the Patriots. Yeah. And I sense a similar feel this week. It's like the 4-4 four and four Patriots are hosting a team that they're just going to roll. We're much better than the Colts. And I'm like, well, the Colts have three wins and a tie. And the Colts' best win over the Chiefs is better than any win the Patriots have. And so I'm just wondering, from a, from a reverse perspective, do does Colts fans looking at the Patriots as an equal? Is this an opportunity to get right, maybe with a young quarterback, or is this an uphill battle because we're going to Foxborough? Sort of the, just the general feel of what this matchup is within Colts Nation. I would view. I think they're probably in the same tier. Uh, well, honestly, no. I, I hold the Patriots in higher regard right now okay. a little bit, but it, it's the gap isn't huge. They're they're both underperforming from preseason expectations, uh, but I have I just have more faith in what Bill Belichick can cook up than what the Colts coaching staff can right now. Uh, historically, they've done some nice things under Frank Reich and everything, but it's just not clicking this year. Like there's really no there's nothing you can hang your hat on to say they're going to do this well every week. Can I interrupt you real quick and just ask, yeah. so touching on the coaching, they've done things in historically, but historically their defensive coordinator is now running the Bears, who just beat the mm -hmm. Patriots, mm -hmm. and their offensive coach is now undefeated with the Eagles. Is there um, a feeling that maybe those were sort of the keys to the success and that Frank Reich was just the overseer? Is, are people missing those, those two key assistants more than they might, might have thought they would have? I think a real light is starting – to get shown on on that question honestly people are definitely starting to ask that more uh now eber did always have a really good defense here with the colts but it had its limitations like it was very predictable very zone heavy uh but he ate mac jones alive last year like he he gave him yeah. he gave him fits for those first three quarters yeah there there were some instances where they could totally blank some opponents and they were just great matchups for but then there was always a handful of games a year where the uh, the opposing quarterback would complete like 85 or 90 percent of their passes and just dink and dunk them to death and some some teams matched up very very well with that defense 
Uh, the pass rush always underwhelmed. Some things are better under Gus Bradley. Like the defense, the Colts defense is still pretty good. Um, some of their defici- deficiencies have come out because the Colts offense routinely puts them in terrible spots. Turnovers. Uh, there's been some poor punting at times. Like they just don't do the defense very many favors, but it's still a very good team. I would imagine that Gus is going to see what the Colts did well against the Patriots last year and, and institute a good bit of that. Uh, but no, that that does bring up a great question, especially Sirianni. People miss Sirianni quite a bit, and you know mm-hmm. now that now that Marcus Brady's been let go, people are like maybe Sirianni had a really heavy influence in there because. He, he was Reich's right-hand man offensively. And, man, you, you can't deny what the Eagles have, have done and, and had success with uh, there this year. It's unbelievable, Andy. It looks like we could be heading toward another Nick Folk all-star day for the Patriots. The yeah. Colts, Rodrigo Blankenship, it doesn't turn out to be the guy for you as well. The rent-a-QB yeah. situation is just so curious. I Even I, somebody who loved the on-field histrionics and nonsense from a Philip Rivers Forgot because who would have thought like following Andrew Luck, it was Philip Rivers and then Carson Wentz and then <laughs> the ghost of Matt Ryan, who, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I don't think it was his fault as well, but sometimes there's a scapegoat and he's been a gentleman about it. And desperate mm-hmm. times call for desperate measures or the insertion of a flyer of a quarterback from Texas who runs more than he throws. But like Andy said, there's that sweat for some reason, there's still like that lingering Patriots confidence of, ah, that team's not as good and we should be able to roll over them. And the Pats got absolutely brutalized on Monday Night Football by the Bears. They come into this one almost a six-point favorite. Maybe it's the same kind of game or maybe it's just a, hey, first team to 17 and we'll just shake hands at midfield and call yeah. it a day. What do you think? Yeah. What, what's your prediction, Jake, as we wrap it up? Yeah, I think I gave I think I gave the Patriots a twenty to thirteen win uh, when when I when I gave my projections yesterday. I think I think both defenses are going to be the stars of the show in this one. I think the offense has clearly struggled. The offensive lines have issues allowing pressure and things like that. Mm-hmm. It could be twenty to thirteen on either side. Uh, I, I think maybe like a defensive touchdown or something could be the difference. Special teams touchdown. Um, but yeah, I'm more confident in the Patriots right now than I am the Colts. Not and not that I think the Patriots are some ascending team or a juggernaut or anything. I just have more confidence in them, and it's a lack of confidence in the Colts right now. <laughs> I think Ellinger makes the offense more watchable, more entertaining, because he can extend plays and he's a little more aggressive downfield, which is nice. Um, but yeah, the the things the Colts used to do well that made the difference in winning and losing, they no longer do those things well. So it's it's hard to count on them. Well, we apologize if we broke Matt Ryan permanently a couple of years ago <laughs> in Super Bowl 51. It's unbelievable, Andy. He was the quarterback of the Colts for 28 weeks and three days exactly until he was pulled. The poor man yeah. will never be able to outrun those numbers. <laughs> oh, it is just cruel. It will be fun, though, to see some old friends like uh, Steph Gilmore, who's had a good season for you guys. Obviously mm-hmm. had a great game against the Broncos. And last year, maybe the hidden MVP of that Colts win on December 18th, Andy, Oh, Raven Trone. Yeah, that's right. Oh man. I love that guy. He was one of my, one of my sneaky all-time Patriot favorites from back in the day. Mm -hmm. All right, Jake, it's been an absolute pleasure. You can follow him at Jake Arthur NFL. He is the host of the at locked on Colts podcast. It ain't the same old Colts. It ain't the same old Pats. Not going to be the same kind of game that it used to be, but, uh, I guess one of us probably it, it, is this like a loser leaves town match. It's pretty bad. You know what we need to spice this way. up? A little shrimp cocktail from St. Elmo's. A little cocktail there sauce right up the nasal passages to right. open it up for us. I, yeah, really that, opens you up. <laughs> I know. Like, this game, like, I, like we used to just get. I used to set my clock to Colts Patriots, and now here all of us are like. It's just, it's just like a couple of grandpas wrestling in a jello pit. It's yep. like, it's, it's not going to last very long and it's going to be kind of sad. At least this, uh, the weather's supposed to be nice. It's supposed to be a nice, beautiful, like record setting day at Gillette Stadium. So well, there we, got we, that there we go. We, we got that to, we got that going for us, which is nice. Jake, thanks mm-hmm. so much. Uh, we'll look forward, hopefully to a good one Sunday. And thanks for your time, brother. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Had a good one. Thanks Jake. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, that's kind of what I expected uh, in terms of the energy and the fanatical enthusiasm on the state of affairs with the Colts right now. They just want they just want to try to figure out what's going on. They're as uncertain about the direction with the quarterback as I think the Patriots were a few weeks ago, though it does seem like Mac Jones with a good game this Sunday can cement his status as the starter the rest of the way. Hopefully he plays a clean game and a healthy game. Uh, we'll see how this plays out, and we'll see if the Patriots are able to contain Sam Ellinger. Ellinger, potato, potato, let's call the whole thing off, who definitely runs better than he throws at this point. But how could he? how could he do much more considering he's only been in there for a short while? All right, to take a look at how things are going in the wide world of Patriots, let's speak to one of the best beat writers around. He recently just made way from the Providence Journal over to Mass Live. Andy Hart had a few moments to catch up with our pal Mark Daniels at Gillette Stadium this week to talk about the state of affairs with Mac Jones, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots heading into Colts week. Joining me now at Gillette Stadium on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast is Mark Daniels of Mass Live, and you may also know him from some other outlets, but been covering the Patriots for a long time. And I'm gonna, before I start, I'm going to say, maybe the best storyteller on the Patriots beat. I th- Thank you. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, seeking out features that you remind me, I don't even, do you remember Alan Greenberg from the Hartford Current? Okay, you're, you're Alan Greenberg style. You tend to tell stories, and I like that because there's a lot of us that just sort of fixate and BS about the game week to week and the quarterback situation. But, hey, if we're going to bring up the quarterback situation, why don't we talk about the quarterback situation? Uh, so, Mark, we have reestablished, I'm assuming, I think, Mac Jones as the Patriots' starting quarterback at the very least, if not we're willing to say franchise quarterback. Um, now that we're out the other side, I guess, of zappy fever, Unless you don't believe we're out there. Feel free to go on that. Okay. So if we're out the other side of zappy fever, where is Mac Jones as he hits the midpoint of his second season? Progression, regression, still fighting for his franchise job. Where do you see him at this point? He He's at a, he's at a point where I, I don't think he wants to be or the Patriots would want him to be because, you know, we're in week nine right now. And you would hope at this point you would see a clear – progression a clear right a year two jump what we like to say right in, in the biz a year two jump it's big and it's big for quarterbacks too the the thing though here I feel like there's such an asterisk on Mac Jones and I don't want to be the type of person just lays excuses at his feet the, the injury thing just really set him back right it's one thing to say all right Matt Patricia's here Josh McDaniels is gone but by week nine you really should have worked out a lot of those kinks right you, you expect some hiccups, some whatever, learning curve stuff the first four weeks of the season. But by now, you'd really want them to be in, hey, midseason form because we're in midseason. Instead, you deal with the high ankle sprain. He misses four games. He barely plays against Chicago. And you're kind of at square one. Right? It almost feels to me like we're back in week one, two to say, all right, is Mac Jones improved? We're going to find out maybe next week, maybe the week after that. So, yeah, we're at a point where he's the starting quarterback. I think he should remain the starting quarterback. I think he has a much higher potential and ceiling than Bailey Zappi. But in terms of, like, what we've actually seen on the field, it's just so inconclusive to me. It's frustrating for me to watch because, you know, we've been, you know, let's let's be honest, we've been diving into Mac Jones since last year because he was a first-round quarterback. But to be here in week nine and still be throw your arms up and be like, I don't know, maybe – it's frustrating from my standpoint, and I'm sure from the Patriots' standpoint, too, it's a bit of a bummer. Not that you can really prevent a lot of these injuries, but it's, we're still at wait-and-see mode, which is like, it feels like we're still in week one, honestly. So I, I've become a little bit of a Mac apologist, which is weird, because I don't even really like Mac. It's a weird, weird position for me to be in. But I want to ask you, so the injury, Patricia, the O-line, like all these various aspects of the story of this 4-4 four and four football team, have you changed big picture where you are on Mac Jones? Like, what did you think of Mac Jones after last year heading into this year? And now what do you think about Mac Jones in, in terms of 
franchise QB, second contract, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? The old uh, job interview question. Where, where do you see Mac Jones? People get mad at me when I say this, but last year he had one of the best rookie seasons of all time. When you look at the actual numbers, which is what I'm talking about, right? He had the second best completion percentage all time. For passing yards, he was fifth all time. For touchdowns, he was eighth. Completions, he was eighth. And for wins, he was like 10th or 11th. What he did as a rookie is honestly kind of unheard of because most rookie quarterbacks stink. So coming out of last year, I was like, the Patriots have a budding franchise quarterback, and this is all about making him a top 10 guy. I mean, he finished last season, I'd say top 15. And I'm like, all right, the next logical step is you go to top 10 quarterback. We're not there. We're not at even top 15. I don't even think we're at top 20. So right now, I, I'd love to keep perspective on this what he did last year matters and and I think because of the success he had he's still what I would call a budding franchise quarterback but we've been just teetering on the edge of was this Josh McDaniels was it more Josh McDaniels than than Mac Jones so where where do I stand on it right right now I, I think he is a promising quarterback who could turn into your franchise quarterback who should be a top 10 guy whatever that means I don't know if he'll ever be a top five I don't know if it matters. You know, people hate the Kirk Cousins stuff, but like if you have a quarterback who's throwing 4,000 plus yards, 30 plus touchdowns in less than 10 interceptions, you're doing pretty good. And I think he can be that guy. They have to figure out what the hell is going on. And hopefully I can use that word on your podcast, whether it's the offensive line, the playbook, Matt, Patricia, things are so bad right now. I don't, I, I honestly want to make excuses for Mac because of what we saw last year. You know, so if I like that idea, because I agree with you 100 percent, I've sort of termed it. If I'm going to start making a list of the problems with the Patriots offense, I think I'm writing a few things down before I get to Mac. Mac's on the list. Like, I'm not going to just keep him from the list. So if you were head coach, GM, you're some combination of Bill Belichick and, and Mac Grow, who, by the way, just chose to do nothing at the trade deadline, which we can get into maybe more in depth in a minute. But where do you start? Is it the cliche, he needs a number one receiver? And if the answer is number one receiver, is that the deep guy? Is that the slot guy? Does he need his Wes Welker? Does he need his Julian Edelman? Do you need to shore up the line so he's not tucking and running so often? Does he need a better scheme? Are we seeing a one-year Band-Aid? And maybe, you know, you joke about Josh McDaniels, but he could be available at some point in the future to come back. Like, where, where would you start fixing the Mac Jones Patriots? Priority number one is tackle for me. Um, this offseason, they're estimated to have, I want to say, the fourth most cap space. That's according to over the cap. If I'm them, I get a right tackle. Like, I, I spend big money. And if you don't, you need to spend a first-round pick on them or trade up in the first round to get a guy because you're you're rotating sort of depth right now with Marcus Cannon and Isaiah Wynn. It hasn't been great. Marcus Cannon wasn't that good in, against the Jets. I had him down for, I want to say, a sack and a hit. And obviously, Isaiah Wynn, we all know what's been going on there. They need to shore up the offensive line continuity's big so all right if you're saying Cole Strange David Andrews and Michael Owenu are the guys and at the middle I'm fine with that Trent Brown sure he'll be under contract at least for 2023 they need to do something to right tackle I think that's priority number one two I I do follow the logic of if you want your young quarterback to improve find him a number one Pro Bowl target Jalen Hurts with AJ Brown right I mean Josh Allen took a leap in year three when they traded for Stefan Diggs everyone loves to pump up um, just uh, Herbert over in with the Chargers and he's great he has great tools he's also been throwing at Keenan Allen Mike Williams and Austin Eckler even like Pat Mahomes had probably the best statistical year for a year two quarterback ever he was thrown to a prime Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey like these guys even Dan Marino is another one I looked him up he had a great year too he was thrown at two Pro Bowl receivers whose names I forget but Max Jones doesn't have a Pro Bowl receiver. Like, maybe Ramondre Stevenson turns into a Pro Bowl running back, but, yeah, I want to see like that. I don't know if it necessarily has to be a slot. I just want that guy you have to game plan for, right? The Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman combo is why the Patriots won and beat the Rams in the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. They didn't have anyone else, but Tom Brady had two, I would say, number ones. Mac Jones, I don't know if he really has any. I love Jacoby Myers. He's very steady and solid as a two maybe a good three on a, like a good stack team but man find them that Jamar Chase somehow and it, it's easy for us to say that you look at the free agents right now Jacoby Myers will be probably the best wide receiver free agent but maybe it's just a matter of them swing a trade for someone who's not on our radar right now and, and maybe taking more dips into the draft I think they should don't shy away from it you know I, I love that they drafted Tyquan Thornton in the second round do that again do it until you find that legit guy because I, I think that's a piece of the puzzle that's just missing to this offense yeah, I think uh, I agree with you. 
most of what you said. And I think we oversimplify everything, right? Like we talk about coaches without quarterbacks. Well, yeah, coaches aren't as good when they don't have great quarterbacks. Most dynasties, it's a good coach and a good quarterback. Quarterbacks are the same thing. Like we're seeing it with Aaron Rodgers. Take away his weapons, and he's not the greatest of all time. He's still really talented, but the success doesn't come. So I do think you need to inject life around Mac Jones before you can probably decide how good he is, how not good he is. So that leads me back to the the trade deadline where they chose to do nothing. It was probably the the most entertaining active trade deadline in NFL history. Pro Bowl caliber star players swapping teams, including in the division, Bradley Chubb joining the, the Dolphins. Where were you heading into the trade deadline? Because I'll be honest, with you, I was ready to just ship Isaiah Wynn out of town. Anybody that would take him, late round pick, he's available. You know, his last... Uh, last saving grace or whatever, getting into a fight with Mike Reese or being, you know, giving tone. If you've given Mike Reese tone, it's time for you to go. Um, but I, I just wish they had done something. It felt, you know, people criticized Heim Bloom and the Red Sox for being half in, half out at the trade deadline. So trade away pieces and start the process of building. Let young guys play, figure out what you have. Or I would not have been opposed to adding a linebacker. If you had found a, you know, a, a valuable Kyle Van Oy type that you could add, boom, go get him. But doing nothing just leaves, to me, a middling team in the middle of their season who didn't really do anything to prepare for next year or bolster themselves. I, I, don't, really, I don't really understand what they did. It, it's confusing. And with, like, Isaiah Wynn and, say, Nelson Aguilar, I thought those were really the two guys they would ship out if they were going to trade someone. And part of the reason you do it is to, you know, free up five whatever million in the cap space. I, I wonder with the, with the Wynn thing, if they look at Marcus Cannon and just say, ah, He's okay, but, you know, how much of an upgrade from that is Isaiah Wynn? And maybe for the rest of this season, it's much better just to have, as painful as to say, Marcus Cannon, Isaiah Wynn, as opposed to Marcus Cannon and Yadni Kajust. And I, and I wonder if they just saw a big drop-off there with their tackle depth. Their tackle depth's not great. I mean, I think going into the summer, we all thought Justin Huron would be the top swing tackle, and he just he really didn't develop, like I think, like the team thought he would. And I don't like the depth right now, but they would be worse without Marcus Cannon for a seventh-round pick, and I think that's why they kept him. Aguilar, too, it was an interesting one to me. He's playing behind Tyquan Thornton, so you sort of say, like, why not just get the, the extra cap space and go on to that? Then you see Devontae Parker go down with a knee injury. You know, he wasn't at Wednesday's practice. Then you say, ah, maybe, they sh maybe for Mac Jones, the best thing is to just give him those five receivers. And maybe from the Patriots' standpoint, it's, all right, a quarterback's been injured. We haven't been great. We've been sort of middling, but we're 4-4 four and four at the deadline. Mac is healthy. If we can get other guys healthy around him, maybe we can work with the pieces we have. And you're right. It's boring. I, honestly, I was hoping for like a Roquan Smith. I mean, I'd give up a second-round pick. That guy is so good. And I think with the Pats' defense right now, it's like you look at their linebackers, there's, there's, you know, you could add something there. I think there's a spot where you want to add like an elite talent. I would say on defense, it's linebacker for sure. And like, yeah, seeing the Dolphins get Bradley Chubb, you say, all right, yeah, it's not going to be great when Mac Jones and the offensive line go up against him. But it would probably be worse if you didn't have Isaiah win for depth. So. Yeah, it was very boring, but I, I kind of understand the logic with not shipping out some of those guys. So we are, as you said, basically midseason form, midpoint of the season uh, as you hit week nine. And I, we're at that point of the year where I think people are sort of settling in. Like there's the people that believe this team still has a path. Remember it was a couple of years ago, it was the path to the postseason. Uh, and there's others like me, like I don't see it. You know, for example, uh, our friend Scott Zolak tweeted during the Bengals game the other night, I think, uh, Bengals layup, circle, whatever. Like, I'm sorry, this team's not good enough to circle anybody as a layup or a win. I mean, we learned that on Monday Night Football against the Bears, who maybe they took too lightly, maybe they didn't, I don't know, maybe bad night, good night for the Bears. Where do you feel like this team is going over the second half of the season? Is it is it going to be, you know, day by day, week by week, ugly game, good game, figure it out? Or do you feel any momentum in any area of the team that's going to be maybe their strength to lean on this is a bad answer and i kind of feel like they're a they're a borderline wild card team where if they end up winning 9 10 games and they sneak in i won't necessarily be surprised because we go up right, they go up against the colts you have the bye and then the jets so theoretically they could be six and two heading into a thanksgiving game against the vikings who are the vikings good the record says they are but it's also Kirk cousins so i don't really know so they, they really could be in a spot where like you know they go into that Thanksgiving game saying, all right, can we win three, four more games? And you're talking about the Vikings, the Cardinals, the Raiders who have been bad, the Bengals who have been up and down, another matchup with the Dolphins and two against the Bills. Like, theoretically, I could see nine or ten wins. And, you know, considering what's happened the last 
eight weeks. That would be crazy if they got into the playoffs. But I, I can see it if they stay healthy. Mac Jones improves, right? Mac Jones has to limit his turnovers. And on defense, like, you need Kyle Duggar back. You need Christian Barmore, right? You can't. There's a lot of guys in this team you just you can't lose. Even David Andrews. That offensive line without David Andrews in, in New York was a mess. James Ferentz didn't play well. I thought I, I didn't think it was a surprise that Cole Strange had his worst game as a pro because David Andrews wasn't there. But this is how fragile sort of, and like, you talk about, like, middling, a middling roster. You can't lose. You can't have a big injury over the next eight weeks if you want to make a run for nine to ten wins you know what I mean things really sort of have to break perfectly I think for this team absolutely um and now I'm thinking back to the summer because you bring up the roster a middling roster the talent now the future not you know really being deep enough to miss anybody who's a higher-end player who are the higher-end players not just for this year but for the future I I mean I've been on a bit of a Ramondre Stevenson kick. I've loved him since last year. My only concern is, can he handle the load? Like, the last couple of weeks, I think he's caught 15 passes. Like, is he going to be that guy long-term that can handle that load? Or does he need a, a number two to share it with, like a lot of teams do? Beyond that, you know, Christian Barmore is a guy I know a lot of people had a lot of optimism for. He's double-teamed a lot, but does he take it to the next level? Obviously, Matthew Judon is still one of their best players, but... As we look to the 2023 Patriots or sort of, you know, if this is a keeper team, a keeper league, who are the keepers? I love dynasty leagues in fantasy football. (laughs) Um, Obviously, Ramondre Stevenson on offense might be your best player right now. On defense, clearly Matthew Judon, I think, is the best player on the team, and he shouldn't drop off that much next year. But after him, I would go with a guy like Kyle Duggar. Kyle Duggar is so athletic and has taken a decent year three jump that I could see Pro Bowl potential for him. And I think Christian Barmore's athleticism suggests that he could be that type of disruptive defensive tackle that earns some, you know, accolades at the end of this year too. A- after that, it's it's a really hard answer, right? Because like David Andrews, probably a borderline Pro Bowl player, you know. And then after that, you kind of put your hands up. You're like, all right, linebacker, probably nobody. Um, Dietrich Wise is solid. I think Devin Devin Godchow is solid. Uh, Jack Jones, I, I would take him in the keeper league. I, I think he has. Pro Bowl potential because of how good his ball skills are. He has to clean up some other stuff in his stuff in his game. Watching him try to tackle people in, in New York, I thought was a bit frustrating. He made some bad plays there in the fourth quarter. But like Jack Jones, Kyle Duggar on defense, obviously Matthew Judon is a stud. And offense, you're talking like, you know, I guess put throw Max Jones in there. He he sh- it should be like him and Ramondre and you know steady Eddie Jacoby Myers if he's back. That's the thing about Jacoby, right? For keeper league, how do you keep a guy who's a free agent when the Patriots don't historically pay? free agents so yeah they need they need some more talent right? they, they do they need high-end talent on this roster they do and the other aspect of that that I'm questioning now is we come off a game in which Matthew Slater became second all-time in games played for the Patriots Devin McCourty had two interceptions now active leader in interceptions I keep thinking about those guys and the key role they play in leadership with more than a decade of service each and I wonder as they age out quote-unquote as they say in youth sports not only the talent, where is that um, rock of leadership going to fall? And sh- Max should obviously be one of those, but he's had a really trying year. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think he struggles at times in his interviews, in his press conferences with cliches and talking in circles and all of that. Where do you see the leader? Because some of the good players, like Kyle Duggar, I'm not sure he's overly comfortable being a spokesman. I don't think Ramondre Stevenson is overly comfortable being a spokesman. So as we move forward looking for talent, where does the leadership come from moving forward? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, on offense, David Andrews will be probably be that guy who's here forever. It should be Mac. On offense is hard because right now I look at the guy like Jacoby Myers. I think he's a clear leader on offense, but again, he's he's going into a contract year, so this could be it for him. On defense, you know, he's a really great guy to talk with, and I bet he's great in the locker room. Is Jalen Mills? Um, you know, steady cornerback. I honestly thought this summer he'd be their number one and he would have the best year of his career. That was my bold prediction for the season. I think an injury sort of set him back this year. But Jalen Mills is a good guy to have in the locker room. And then on the defensive line, it's interesting. Like, Matthew Judon is the best player. He's a bit of a jokester. You know, Lawrence Guy has sort of been a leader, but he's getting older. So maybe you go to someone like Dietrich Wise. But you're right. I mean, the Patriots could lose Matthew Slater and Devin McCourty. You know, and where, where do they turn from that? You know, Jawan Bentley would be a guy. So you're looking at, you know, Jawan Bentley and David Andrews and, and Mac Jones and really a new chapter here in, in New England when you start to lose, you know, you start to lose everyone who won three rings. It was like there was a time here. I felt like everyone on the roster won multiple Super Bowls and they had such a great perspective for the younger players. And now you get into this new post-Brady era and you're like, all right, uh, they're going to do this with other players and see if Bill can work his magic. It's going to be fascinating. <laughs> 
Okay, he's Mark Daniels, and before we wrap this up on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast, we obviously have to get his thoughts on this week's game. Indianapolis Colts, 3-4-1 and one coming in. Uh, a new quarterback, they've kind of been scuffling, still have a talented roster in defense and, and playoff caliber roster in a lot of ways. Um, but these are two middling teams that probably could be fighting for, as you said, maybe that last wild card spot down the road. What what are your expectations for this game? I know some people in New England are just seen as a layup. Oh, this is a layup, just pencil the win in. Um, how do you see this game? I don't think anything's a layup right now because the Patriots have been so inconsistent and the Colts defensively are really solid. So, I mean, the Patriots could struggle to move the ball. It, this could be the type of game where it's like the first to 20 wins. And in that, I, I like the Patriots because I don't know who Sam Ellinger is other than a six-round pick in 2021. And it sounds like Jonathan Taylor has been injured. He might not play. I mean, so honestly, the Patriots might catch a huge break. You know, they beat the Jets who didn't have Brees Hall. They might go up against the Colts who won't have Jonathan Taylor and a six-round pick at quarterback who's thrown to some pretty good guys. But I think the Patriots defense is good enough to not let Sam Ellinger in a backup running back beat them. You know, can the Patriots offense get to 17 to 20 points? I think so. But <laughs> Stefan Gilmore is great. Yannick Nagunkwe is great. They have a really good defensive line. Quiddy Pay from Rhode Island. He's had a pretty good start to his career. What's his name? DeForest Buckner. Another. They have a really good defensive line. So, like, David Andrews, who wasn't at practice on Wednesday, like, you, you want him to get back. But, you know, it's, it's, the, NF, it's the concussion protocol. You can't rush that. Yeah, the offensive line is going to have to play a lot better if you want to score over 17 points. I just I failed to see how Sam Ellinger and like a backup running back would would beat the Patriots. So I, I like the Patriots in this, but I wouldn't I wouldn't call anything a layup right now. He's Mark Daniels, Mass Live. I'm Andy Hart. This is Six Rings and Football Things. Once again, our weekly chat from the bowels of Gillette Stadium as the Patriots get ready to take on the Colts. And yes, there are no layups for the Patriots and no layups for Six Rings. All right, Andy, we've heard the outside perspective from Jake Arthur in Indianapolis. We've heard some inside perspective from our pal Mark Daniels at Mass Live, who you met up with this week at Gillette. And if I were to tap into the collective energies of both, <laughs> I would maybe be able to light a very small grill outside Gillette Stadium for a few hours. But I would not be able to put on the kind of tailgate I would normally expect during the heydays of Brady Manning, Patriots, Colts, two of the most dynamic hated rivals in recent NFL history. And now this is, I, I dare I say, like the equivalent of sad emoji, the NFL edition, like, woe be Colts Patriots. Yeah, the uh, the mighty have fallen. This Ooh. like this used, I mean, this was always the time. Early November is when the NFL would schedule Brady Manning. It'd be a primetime game. They'd be like, Seven and one meets eight and oh, six and two meets seven and one. And now we have 2007. Like... My God, dude, I went out of my way to drive to Indianapolis to be there for what I thought was history because I thought one of those teams could go undefeated. And it went down to the wire with that Falk touchdown. And now it's a it's an MLS matchup. Four and four <laughs> means three, four and one. And no one really gives a rat <laughs> And there might it might it might end three to two. <laughs> it seriously might. Like it's I'll tell you one thing though. I, my son is going to this game. This is, I don't know why he picked this game and I feel bad that he picked this game. He goes once a year and he and his buddy are going and it's supposed to be a beautiful day at Gillette stadium, unseasonably warm record setting temperatures. So yeah, we used to get records in a different way when Man Manning and Brady went again, but at least we have the weather records this week. And the one thing I will say is based on the fact that it's the two of the three teams with the most turnovers in the national football league and the Patriots take the ball away as well as anybody. There should be some like game changing plays. It may not be pretty football, but it could be like, you know, you ever go to a high school game and it's like you throw a pick. No, no, no. I'll throw it back to you and you take the pick. And we could have a little bit of that ugly energy. Can I can I pose it as ugly right. playmaking energy? Um, but the reality is like both teams have second year quarterbacks who, well, depends who you believe. If you believe David Carr, the the Colts have the better second-year quarterback, and Mac Jones should have gone in like the fifth round of last year's draft. Just idiocy we're not going to get into right now. Um, but it's it's when you don't have a quarterback. Like, we live for years. Brady and Manning were built on Brady and Manning, <laughs> the superstar right. quarterbacks. Now you have maybe quarterbacks, don't like quarterbacks, like whatever these guys are. If maybe they're the for-now quarterback. I don't know. But then you end up with a lackluster middling game. I think that's exactly what Sam Ellinger is. I, I mean, like, this is a late-round flyer they drafted, probably. I mean, he's in the— hey, What round did he go in? 
was uh oh the sixth that's where you get your best quarterbacks oh, i don't know if you fraud oh, squatters know how about that wow a six rounder out of nowhere who's going to turn the season around when the old veteran who was overpriced and incompetent gets replaced like uh, poor matt ryan like first of all he does not deserve all the blame he should not be throwing the ball 60 times a game to, oh, to no. michael Pittman, not- mo alley cox and alec pierce come on yeah, no, he he was the fall guy, and part of it was the situation. Like the Patriots, they have an offensive line that's not doing a good job. He's getting sacked, and Matt Ryan is not going to get out of the way. Like, you make Bledsoe comparison. Matt Ryan can't do that. that. That's on you. If you ask him to, like, have to move, okay, sorry, can't do it. There's things I can do at a good level still probably in the NFL. That's not one of them. And the one thing I do look at, though, is they still have talented players, star players, probably – I'm going to say definitely more star players than the Patriots. Like whether he plays or not, Taylor is an elite running back. He has proven Mm -hmm. himself an elite running back in the NFL. He's injured. Quentin Nelson is a John Hanna like guard, a generational guard here. You get uh, DeForest Buckner who Bill Belichick, I don't know if rightfully or not compared to Aaron Donald, put him in the same sentence as Aaron Donald. Seemed a little hyperbolic, but he can be a game wrecker if left unchecked. Darius call me Shaquille Leonard is a great linebacker. Bill put him in the same mention with Luke Keekley and Gerard Mayo, which I found weird because Luke Keekley was an NFL defensive player of the year. And Gerard Mayo was a good one time all pro or whatever he had. I don't remember a lot of time. Luke Keekley could snag a ball out of midair just the oh, same yeah. way that then known as Darius. Now Shaquille Leonard did last year against Mac Jones. Yep. Like that was a back. You want to talk about a turning point in last year's game. You could easily say, sure, it was the Jonathan Taylor run at the end. That was the icing on the cake or the nail in the coffin. The turning Ended point Hightower's was the- career. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Just left him there that day. My God. But like that interception that Mac threw that Leonard jumped up in the air and snagged when he didn't see him in zone, which Jake Arthur was telling us about. They still do a lot of zone. Like that was the backbreaker. Now, all right. So let's let, let's instead of bemoaning the fate of both teams and the sad state of the rivalry, which sorry, Chris Ballard is not back on in any stretch or form. Let's just look to how this could be a building block game for the Patriots. What are like three things we could see the Patriots do this week that would help them go into the bye building confidence aside from actually getting the win going in five and four with eight games remaining in a pretty tough schedule that has a lot of primetime games on it. What are three things we could, we would hope to see the Patriots do this week against the Colts. Uh, first I would say is make a young quarterback look like a young quarterback, you know, Dietrich wise and Matt Judon continue to be aggressive, but make sure it's controlled aggression. Don't let this be another Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson. Don't let him find a crease and pick up that 15 mm-hmm. yards on third and 12. The, stay away from those types of plays. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, Devin McCourty was talking yesterday about the interceptions. He had a couple last week and they're second in the NFL with 10 picks. How do they do that? And he said, really, if you look, it's, it's the pass rush. Like every time we get our hands on the football, it's because somebody up front is in the quarterback's face. Make, make Sam Ellinger uncomfortable, make him look like a young quarterback who's inexperienced. And I do think they have the potential to do that. The flip side I would say is, is, try to get the offensive line and David Andrews continuing to miss time is, is not ideal with that concussion, which looks like a dirtier and dirtier play every week based on the amount of time he's missing from that Mike Pennell hit in the game. Um, But try to establish the running game against a good defensive front Buckner and company are good and Gakwe. That's a decent veteran experienced front. So run the football to a, I think start to establish that as You're in mid-season form. We're supposed to have an identity here, right? This is where Bill tells us like, okay, we've had those two months. I know what my team is. Well, establish the run. Become a running team. We all know, we've talked about it all week, Ramondre Stevenson. Take that star, keep, keep riding that star, and do it against a good front to build some momentum heading towards the second half of the season. Now, I don't know if they're capable of that. Like, we'll see if James Ferentz and whoever the right tackle of the week is and your guy, if Cole Isaiah Strange, wins on like, the guard and yeah, yeah Cole like, strange, does he get the, do, I'm not do, guaranteeing do. they can do it, but I'd like to see them do it to right. build, not only to win this game, but to 
you know, start to put things together that you feel like are, you know, tools in your toolbox as you get towards the meat of the second half of the schedule. And let me go with number three. So if number one is make a young quarterback look like look, a young quarterback yep. and don't look, uh, make him look inexperienced, don't let him uh, corral and contain the young running quarterback, number one. Yep. Number two, establish your running game. That is going to be your identity or as you hope to search for an identity, let that be it. Maybe you let them know, like, we're going to put Ramondre Stevens at up up your Bruckner and uh, Grover and Ngakwe and Quiddy Pay And the, that's the way it's going to be. And you're just going to have to deal with it. I'll go with number three. Number three for me would be get going in the red zone, please. Like, like I, I can't say that this is going to be the ultimate get right game for Mac Jones, because I think it's going to be a long, slow process of trying to help rebuild his confidence, get him comfortable protect him and start undoing a lot of the blemishes or buffing out some of the blemishes of the first half of the season. But try to score. Like once you get in the red zone, stop making all of us think like, ah, oh, here's an automatic 33 to 39 yarder for folk again. Like they have to score, get in the red zone, find your tight ends, get in the red zone, draw up something for your receivers. They just have to start establishing that it's not, that the red zone is not so, so dreadful for them. Like it's just been an issue all hell for the last year and a half. So maybe if they could have some red zone success this week, maybe that would give us a little confidence too. Absolutely. Um, I don't know where it'll come from because mm -hmm. you know, that gets back to playmakers. I think the red zone is when you start to count on, on playmakers and guys that can win one-on-one -on -one matchups and just out muscle out quick out, whatever mm -hmm. the opposition. And right now they don't really have people to do that. You know, was, you know, Parker's hurt. Uh, born is whatever born is, you know, Hunter Henry has been inconsistent and was more consistent with Zappy than he is with Mac. Like, I don't know who you turn to. I agree with you. I think that would be a huge step forward for them. And I also feel like this is a game where you can, this is going to sound really disrespectful and it, it work on the Colts. Don't score. The Colts are at the bottom of the league and no, they, they score 16 points. So as you said, get to 17 and win the game. Yep. So maybe you can try some stuff like, but, but what I would say is try to score in the red zone, maybe even more aggressively or even mm -hmm. out of the red zone. Hell, God forbid you can score from the 30 or the 27. You don't have to wait till you get Don't look long to Thornton this week. Oh, no. Let's not right. tr let's not try it. Like, let's not get one of the five fastest people in the NFL a chance to outrun the other defense. But, but of course, he does need time up front to be able to set Matt Jones' speed. But don't play for field goals. You can settle for them. But. If you settle for them, have it come after you took a shot. You tried to make a play. And I think continuing to find that balance. It's funny. I asked Mac yesterday, and I don't even know if you remember this. I was surprised nobody remembered this. But on our station last year, on one of his weekly chats with uh, Merloni and Fourier, he made that comment, you know, I've heard about being a dink and dunk guy for years, but I've always been told if you take a profit, you'll never go broke. Meaning if there's a guy open, throw it to him. If he's four yards right. from you, three yards yep. from you, seven yards, throw it to him. And I think that kind of struck me because this year has been all about the 50-50 ball down mm -hmm. the field, 50-50 balls. So I asked him, does he still believe in that philosophy? If you take a profit, you'll never. And he said, absolutely. And he said, that's from high school. Interestingly, it was his line coach that said that to him. They were, you know, they were the old wing T or whatever. And he's mm -hmm. like, if there's a running back right there, take the damn four yards, throw it to him and we'll move on. Also called him Sunshine, which I enjoyed. The oh, coach nice. Coach Lance, as he called him, called him Sunshine. But that I do think Mac is still trying to marry those two things together. The dink and dunk, take a profit, don't go broke with make a play down the field, 50, 50, whatever. And, and he's, he's trying to blend those. And I, and this mm -hmm. is a game where blend them, blend them in a way that works. Don't blend them in a way that it looks like you're not doing either, right? Like you're, you, you, you don't have one foot deep and one foot short and we're getting nothing out of it. Find a way to make that blend work. And I, I think there's an opportunity here to do it against the Colts. If your defense can bottle up Sam Ellinger, a rotational practice squad running back room, my, and the dread and the new, you know, Clayton and Duper of the AFC South that is Pittman and Pierce, then maybe just maybe you can keep them to a, a point score or a tally that makes you comfortable enough to try to take a few shots, stretch yeah. the field a little bit, and then put put a little something on tape that other teams will have to look at in the second half of the season. And like I said, give you building blocks. For confidence going forward how about uh, a trick play when was the last time we had a trick play a little when was the last time we had a flea flicker or a jacoby myers throw or oh like, oh, long, oh longer the days uh, like like where's that been? me hey hey matt patricia you know this thing are you not entertained <laughs> i'm not entertained right now entertain me
Exactly. Don't you know this is 2022? I have a very short attention span. Do I do. For me. I have other options. It's going to be a beautiful day. I would, if I didn't get paid to watch this game and oh. then do a post-game show, there's a chance I'd be outside. So I entertain would. me. Exactly. There are a million other things. Give me a reason to have to watch this aside from a paycheck and health insurance. All right, yeah. Andy, prediction time. What do you got? Um, so I, they don't score. The Colts don't score. I don't expect them to suddenly score. I think the Patriots defense will get some turnovers, get some pressure, find their the way to get their hands on the football. I think they'll run the game. You know, it's boring. We've been talking about these like bet the unders in Patriots games. I'd continue to bet the under. I don't even know what the number is, but I'll take the under because I don't think either team is going to score a lot of points. I don't believe this is a a, a get right, feel good necessarily, like everything's going to roll in your direction kind of game. I think it's probably a, a little bit of a a battle, you know, a meet, mm-hmm. a middling mediocre battle. So I'm with like my score from last week was 17-13 Patriots. I might as well just stick with the same damn score. 17-13 Patriots. I don't I don't know how entertaining it'll be. I don't know what we're going to be talking about on the Six Rings post game show and how good we're going to feel about but if you a win is a win. Like they're in that world where every win you can get stack them up because maybe you'll start figuring things out and playing better later. And if you put a couple wins in ugly games in the bank, um, I think you'll feel good. But do I think they could lose? Do I think they could lose the game? Absolutely. I don't think there's there's no layups on this schedule, including this one. So I'm going to take Patriots 17-13 and good luck, Mac. All right. I want a little confidence built for Mac Jones. I want no turnovers. And I want the Patriots to nice. strike no deep. Nice. That's all. There's my there's my little uh, early Christmas wish list. I just got my Sears catalog in. Nice. I went through it. And, oh, I'm going old school here. This is a major league boomer take. But I got the Sears catalog in, and I know there's all these big toys I want, but Santa and my pa- Santa won't bring it, and my parents can't afford it. Right. So I just want like one one nice Mac strike, a clean game from the offensive line, and no turnovers from Mac. Give me that and a 23-13 Patriots victory. And we'll figure out a way to get to 7:30 Sunday night on the Six Rings post-game show. Otherwise, if this is like 13-10, 17-6, if anyone has any early Thanksgiving recipes they want to call in with or share their holiday we'll wish them. list, by all means, we'll be on the line until 7:25 before Sunday night football. All right, thanks very much, Andy. He's at Jumbo Heart. Of course, you can follow Mark Daniels from Mass Live at Mark Daniels PJ. Jake Arthur from the at Locked On Colts podcast is at Jake Arthur NFL. And excellent work as always from producer Justin Turpin. Thus concludes the preview edition of Colts at Patriots Six Rings podcast, a presentation of WEEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. We'll be back with you guys Sunday night, 4 to 7.30 on WEEI, immediately following the conclusion of this, I don't know, game thing. Awesome game. Come on. (laughs) Powerhouse showdown between two conference rivals. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll need the edge. (laughs) We'll look forward to talking to you then. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. God bless. Be well. And as always, go Pets.